شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد So now we are on Faslun Filistinja'i wa Adabi Qadai Al-Hajah In this chapter we are speaking about two things Number one Al-Istinja' Al-Istinja' is cleaning yourself after using the toilet Al-Istinja' cleaning yourself after using the toilet And it's in, in two ways. You can do it in two ways. Number one, using water. And number two, using al-hajar wa nahuhi, yani tissues and whatever is similar to tissues. In back in the days, it would be what rocks. They used to use rocks. It's not, they don't have tissues. They used to use rocks. That's why they call it istijmar. Istijmar. Istijmar is to use al-jamar, which is to use a rock to clean yourself. Like in today's time, we use tissue, right? So therefore we say using tissues and nahuhi and whatever similar to it. Like in back in the day, they used to use rocks. So we can write that down as well. That's the first part of this chapter, istinja. So what comes under istinja is using water, which is called istinja. Using water is called istinja. And using rocks, which is called istijmar. Al-istijmar. That's the first part of today's lesson. The second part of today's lesson is وَآدَابِ قَضَاءِ الْحَاجَةِ The mannerisms of using the toilet. The mannerisms of using the toilet. طيب, let's go into the first part. Al-Istinja. Al-Istinja is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded the believers to do. After a person uses the toilet, that they don't have any remnants of the najas on, on them. And the reason why this is so important is because the salah from its conditions is that you are pure. Your body is pure. On three places are pure. Number one, your body. Number two, your clothing. And number three, the place you are praying. When a person goes to the toilet, Najasa comes out of them, impurity comes out of them And we learned about Najasa last week, remember Impurity comes out of them And so if impurity comes out of them They need to clean that impurity off them before they're allowed to pray And for that reason, they have come, there has come huge yani, threats from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala About the person who doesn't clean himself after going to the toilet The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is narrated by al-Bukhari Muslim in Sahih In the hadith of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah he said, مر رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بقبرين. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he walked past two graves. And he said, إنهما لا يعذبان وما يعذبان في كبير. Now these two people in these graves, they're being punished. And they're not being punished for something that was hard for them, for them to abstain from. يعني وما يعذبان في كبير. They're not being punished for something big. What it means is, meaning it wasn't something big, meaning it wasn't something hard to abstain from. But in reality, it is big. And in the narration of Ibn Majah, the Prophet said, Ala kabir. Rather, it is big. He said, They're not being punished about something that's not that's big. Rather, it is big actually. Yani, it is something that's not hard to abstain from. And the Prophet said, One of them, they used to walk around with gossip. Yani, they used to go around and they used to hear someone said this and this. And Namima is for you to tell. Someone, what someone else said about them In order to make them have enmity between them So someone said Ah, oh, this guy is this and that You heard it And you went to that guy and you said 
This brother, you know what he said about you? He said this, this, that about you. Why? Why are you doing that? The person is doing it in order to make them hate each other. This is called namima, and it's a major sin. Being punished in the grave because of it. And Allah, says, Allah, Allah describes that to be the characteristics of the disbelievers. Those people who, they walk around with namima. And the Prophet said, The one who does namima, he does namima, he won't enter into jannah. And said, so this is the first person. He's being punished in the grave because of that. الآخر, as for the second person, Another narration, He never used to protect himself from his urine. And he used to go to the toilet, urinate, and the urine would go back on him, and he wouldn't clean himself after properly, and all of these things, and he's being punished in the grave because of that. So this is not something that is يعني, something small. And it's important for us to teach our children about this, because we're living in a country where it's normal for them, they just go to the toilet and that's it, they don't clean themselves. And this is not from the adab of Islam at all. And it goes against the, the mannerisms of Islam, it goes against purification, it goes against the sane intellect, the person who's sane, and a person who has a sound mind, knows that this is something that's nasty, if a person doesn't clean himself properly. And so Islam, it covers all of this. It teaches us how a person needs to clean and wash themselves after they go to the toilet. And that's why some of the Jews, they came to Salman al-Farisi, anhu, the companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And they said, لَقَدْ عَلَّمَكُمْ رَسُولُكُمْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى الْخِرَاءَةَ He said, your messenger has taught you everything, mocking. Even how to go to the toilet. The Prophet and Salman, he said, نعم, حَتَّى الْخِرَاءَةَ Even how to go to the toilet, he taught us, yes. He said, and he taught us, عَلَّمَنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ أَلَّا نَسْتَنْجَى بِأَقَلَّ مِنْ ثَلَاثَةِ أَحْجَارٍ He taught us that we don't, do, we, don't, we don't clean ourselves with less than three rocks. We have to use three rocks. وَأَلَّا نَسْتَقْبِلَ الْقِبْلَةِ We don't face the qibla. He taught us how to do everything. Another, another hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَمَأْمِنْ طَائِرٍ يَطِيرُ فِي السَّمَاءِ إِلَّا كَانَ يُعَلِّمُنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ مِنْهُ عِلْمٍ that there was no bird in the sky except that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us knowledge about it. Whenever a bird would go in the sky, he taught us knowledge about that bird. And so the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us everything. And the Quran has taught us everything. مَا فَرَّطْنَا فِي الْكِتَابِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ As Allah says, we haven't left out anything in this book. And so from amongst those things is how a person goes to the toilet. So that is the importance of al-istijma'ah. So the author, rahimahullah, he says, وَالْإِسْتِنْجَاءُ وَاجِبُ مِنَ الْبَوْلِ وَالْغَائِطِ Al-istinja is wajib from using the toilet, urinating and stool, from stool and urine. Someone goes to the toilet, it is obligatory upon them to do istinja. And this is the majority of the case, the majority of the time. Yani the majority of the time is wajib. Like is it always wajib? There's more rulings to it. So we say istinja is wajib. Istinja is wajib when the what comes out of you leaves in a, a, a trace, leaves something behind, which is the majority of the time. It comes out of you and it leaves something there that needs to be washed. It leaves an athar, leaves a trace. Then in that case it's wajib. If you go to the toilet and there's something left on your private part, as is normal, then you have to, you have to wash it off. It's wajib. Sometimes it's mustahab, it's recommended. And by the way, the first situation is the majority of times. That's why he mentions it here, he doesn't mention the other situations. The second situation is if what comes out of you is completely dry and it has, leaves no trace. And a person goes to the toilet and because of an illness in their stomach, what comes out of them is very, very dry, like a rock comes out of them. And it doesn't leave any trace at all. And it happens when, rarely when a person has illness in their stomach. Okay? 
then in that case we say it is recommended. You don't have to because there's nothing there for you to wash. طيب. Number three, it is disliked sometimes to do istinja. It's disliked to do istinja from passing wind. Someone passes wind, passes wind, and he thinks I have to do istinja from this. It's disliked. Why? It's a waste of water. There was no reason for you to do istinja. Passing wind does not leave any trace, and the wind is not najasa itself. Therefore, you don't do istinja from that. As long as there's no trace that comes out with it. And number five, number four, it is haram in some situations. When is it haram? It's haram when someone passes wind and believes that it is sunnah to wash himself after passing wind. It's haram after someone passes wind and believes that it is sunnah after someone passes wind. Why? Why is it haram? Because it's bid'ah, it's innovation. Someone believes that it's a sunnah for you. No, the sunnah never came with that. <coughs> so what's the situation again? Wajib if it leaves a trace. Sun uh, recommended if it doesn't leave a trace because of the, it's so dry. Uh, disliked if you do it from passing wind, and haram if you do it from passing wind, believing it is sunnah. Min al bawli wal ghaid. Then he says, wal afdalu an yastajmira bil ahjari thumma yutbi'ha al ma bil ma, wa yajuz an yqtasir ala al ma aw ala thalathati ahjarin. ينقي بهن وإذا أراد الاقتصار على أحدهما فالماء أفضل طيب هي هي mentions three different levels of washing yourself three different levels of washing yourself the first level is أن يستجمر أن يستجمر أحجار ثم يتبعها الماء the first level is the best is for a person to use rocks and then to use water after it يعني a person uses tissue in our modern times and then use water after it. So the important thing here is what? That you're using both. And number two, you're using rocks and then tissue in that order. Rocks and then tissues in that order. And tissues, sorry, tissue and then water in that order. Tissue and then water in that order. Why? Because from the conditions of which you're going to learn, from the conditions of istijmar, we're using tissues, is that the tissue cannot be wet. And if a person is just using tissues by itself to wash himself after going to the toilet, they can't be wet. They have to be dry, otherwise they're going to spread the najasa. طيب. So they have to be dry, and then you can use water after it, or you can use wet tissues after it, no problem. لكن, it has to be, the first three has to be dry. طيب. So the, the point here is that you use rocks, and then, and then water. Why? The scholars of, of the fiqh, they bring the ayah in Surah At-Tawbah, when Allah says, فِيهِ رِجَالٌ يُحِبُّونَ يَتَطَحَّرُوا وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُطَّحِّرِينَ That in it, in the masjid, there are men, who love to purify themselves. And Allah loves those who purify themselves. So there's different uh, interpretations of this ayah. From amongst these interpretations is the interpretation of the fuqaha, some of the scholars of fiqh, that they say that this ayah is talking about the people of Quba. The people of Quba in Medina. Medina was, is, a, is a city. Just outside of Medina is a place called Quba. Today is part of Medina. If you go to Masjid Quba, that's where the Prophet ﷺ first landed in Medina. When he first Settled in Medina, he went to Quba for a, few, for, uh, for a day or a few, a few days. And then he went to in, into the city of Medina. That place Quba, there's the masjid there known as Masjid Quba. The people who used to live there, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises them and says, In it, in Masjid Quba, in this area of Quba, there are men who love to purify themselves. Why? The scholars, they say, because they used to use tissue, rocks and then water. They used to, after they used, to, after they used the rocks, they would use water as well. 
And so this is the best level for a person to use rocks and then to use water. Why? Because number one, obviously you're using both, so that's cleaner. And number two, because you're not touching the najasa, you're washing it with the tissue, and then you're putting water over it, then you're not touching it anymore because it's gone, the tissue's taken it away, and then you're just using water to, le to wash the remnants. When you use tissue to clean yourself, there is always something remaining, always. There is always going to be something remaining, and that's forgiven. It's going to, يعني, whatever's inside the, يعني, near the whole area, is going to be there anyway, right? And it's forgiven. So it is allowed for a person just to use tissue by itself. لكن, it's better for him to use tissue and then water together. طيب. The point is that, the reason why it's better is that you're using both, and you're not touching the impurity, and you're removing the impurity, and that remains when you, if you just use tissue. And if you just use tissue, there's going to be some remaining, which is forgiven. You don't have to wash it off, no problem. Like, and if you use water, you wash everything off. Is that clear? That's the first level. That's the best. The second level is الاقتصار على الماء For a person to just use water by itself. For a person just to use water by itself to clean the najasa. And this is permissible. And it's allowed. And it's good. <coughs> And the third level is وَإِذَا أَرَادَ الْإِقْتِصَارَ عَلَىٰ أَحَدِهِمَا فَالْمَاءُ أَفْضَلَ And the third level is for you to use just tissue. For a person to just use tissue by itself without water. Is this allowed? It's allowed. It's allowed. As opposed to what most people believe. They think that that's something that's not allowed. No, it is allowed. Just using tissue is allowed. And rather it is the way of the majority of the Arabs at the time of the Prophet They never used to have much water. And that's why at the time of the Tabi'een, the, the Sahaba, some of them, they used to command them just to use tissue, rocks. Because there used to be a group of people who believed that using just rocks is not allowed. And so the, uh, the people, uh, companions like Ajab bin Abdullah and Abu Sa'id al-Khudri and Abdullah bin Umar, the scholars of Medina, they would command the Tabi'een just to use tissue, or rocks, sorry. Because the people they believed it wasn't allowed. But it is allowed, and all three are allowed. We have the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud the Prophet went to the toilet and went to, went to relieve himself. And he said, bring me three rocks. And so he said, I brought two rocks and one raji' one uh, dung. And so the Prophet took the two rocks and threw away the dung. And he said, innahu riksun. It is something that is impure. It's dirty and you can't use it to clean yourself. Hmm? Dung is the, 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 the animals release. Yeah. If a person just uses rocks or just using tissues, there's conditions. There's conditions if you're just using tissue. Number one, that these rocks must be pure or these tissues, they must be pure. You can't have any najasa on it. It has to have no najasa on it. Number two, it has to be It has to be something that removes the impurity. Yani the material removes the impurity. As opposed to what? It yeah, something that it spreads it. It doesn't remove it. Like? No, this material. Yani plastic, for example. A plastic bag. Yeah. Plastic bag is not going to remove. It's going to spread. You get it? Or they say, Al-Hajr Al-Amlas. A, a smooth rock. Very, very smooth rock. It's going to just spread the najasa. It's not going to remove it. So it has to be qali'ah, something that removes the najasa. Is that clear? Number three is, 
You have to use three. You have to use a minimum of three. Three. Or three sides of a big tissue. Or three sides of a big rock. So you can use three different cuts of tissue. Or three different sides of a big bit of tissue. And the next condition is It can't be something that is respected. Can't be something that is respected, meaning you can't use books of knowledge, of course, or money. You can't use it. The next one is It cannot be bones. You can't use a bone or dung. You cannot use bones or dung. Animal droppings. Dung. Animal droppings. Bones, why? Because it is the food of the jinn. The the bones of of animal bones are the food of the jinn. And as for dung, then it's the food of the animals jinn, the jinn's animals. So both of them we're not allowed to use. Because now you're going to use the food of the jinn and they're not going to be able to eat it. So this is some of the details with regards to a stinja. How a person does a stinja. That is a stinja. Is that clear? Mm. Number three was three wipes. Mm. Three wipes. Yeah. Now, three. Yeah, this is three. Okay. The three now is minimum. So if a person uses one tissue and it, it finishes, it washes everything off, it takes everything off, one is enough for him. Is he allowed to just stop at there? Is he allowed to just stop there? No. He's not allowed to stop there. So three is minimum, remember? Three is minimum. Even if he, one washes everything off, he has to use two and three. And it is sunnah to stop on an odd number. It is sunnah to stop on an odd number. And if a person uses one and it doesn't clean, they use it two, it doesn't, it cleans. What does he do? Can you stop there? No, he has to use the third one. Taib, let's say the third one doesn't clean. One, two, three, doesn't clean. You use the fourth one and it cleans. Can you stop there? Hmm? He can, but it's better for him to go to an odd number, five. Use another one. Is that clear? Everyone understand that? Mm-hmm. Taib. So can you use one and use it three times? You can't use the same one. No. Unless it's very big and use different sides. Mm. Is that clear, yeah? Taib. Uh, then he says, now that was istinja. That's the first part of the, of the chapter, right? Second part of the chapter is adab qada'i al-haja. The mannerisms of using the toilet. The mannerisms of using the toilet. Now. <laughs> Mm. Can you say istijma? Is it not istijma, but can you use it interchangeably? Mm. Can you use istijma for istijma? Yes. Istijma is used for istijma. But when they're used together, then they mean different things. So when you use istijma and istijma, then istijma is with rocks and istijma is with water. But when you just use istijma, it means both. Right? Uh, then he says, وَيَجْتَنِبُوا اسْتِقْبَالِ الْقِبْلَةِ وَاسْتِدْبَارَهَا فِي الصَّحْرَاءِ The first man, now these mannerisms are all haram. These mannerisms that we're going to mention here are haram. The, all of these until the last two. Okay? So these mannerisms, these things that you're not allowed to do in the toilet are haram. Number one, facing the qibla whilst using the toilet in, the, in an open space. Facing the qibla whilst using the toilet in an open space. Why? Because the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when written by Bukhari Muslim إِذَا أَتَيْتُمُ الْغَائِطَ فَلَا تَسْتَقْبِلُوا الْقِبْلَةَ بِبَوْلٍ فَلَا تَسْتَقْبِلُوا الْقِبْلَةَ 
When you go to the toilet, do you not face towards the qibla and do you not face your back towards the either? So you're not, right, by the way, when I said, so you're not allowed to face the qibla and you're not allowed to face your back towards the either. Add that, right? Why? But and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, وَلَكِنْ شَرِّقُوا أَوْ غَرِّبُوا But rather face to the east or the west. That's in Medina, right? In Medina, the qibla was where? Towards the south. The qibla was towards the south. So therefore, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, face towards the east or the west. That's the hadith that's general. Now, why does the author here, he says, في الصحراء, he says in the desert, in an open space. When he says Sahara, they mean the desert, the open space. Is that clear? Why does he say the open space? The reason why he says the open space is because we have another hadith of the Prophet sallallahu What's the author here? He says open space. We have another hadith of the Prophet sallallahu from, from, from uh, Ibn Umar, Abdullah ibn Umar. He said, رقيت على بيت حفصة. I went on top of the house of Hafsa. Who's Hafsa? The wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What's Abdullah ibn Umar doing on top of the house of uh, Hafsa? His sister. His sister. His sister. طيب. So Abdullah ibn Umar, he said, I went on top of the house of Hafsa, his sister. His wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فرأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقضي حاجته I saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was using the toilet. مستقبل الشام مستدبر الكعبة. He was facing towards Sham and his back was towards the Kaaba. And we just have a hadith which says what? Don't face towards Kaaba and don't don't pull it back towards it. And the Prophet ﷺ is doing it. So how did, what did they say? Does the speech of the Prophet ﷺ ever contradict? Never. So we say that what he meant when he said, don't face towards the Kaaba or your back towards it is in an open space. As for the hadith of Ibn Umar, then the Prophet ﷺ was in a cubicle. Was in a closed area. So we say, if you're in a cubicle, then it's fine. If you're in a cubicle, then it's fine to face towards the Qibla or to face your back towards the Qibla. As for if you're in a, an open space, an open area, desert, trees, and forest, whatever you're going to the toilet in, then it is haram, it's not allowed for a person to face towards the qibla in that open space. That's the opinion of these scholars who, these scholars, and this is the strongest opinion, wallahu alam. There's different opinions, and they have the evidence as well. Taib, but wallahu alam seems to be the strongest. Taib is number one. Number two, that's the first adab, the first mannerism of using the toilet. Number two is walbawla fil ma'ir rakid. Number two is that you're not allowed to use the toilet. You're not allowed to you, you use the toilet in uh, still water. Still water. Why? Because the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he said, لا يبولن أحدكم في الماء الدائم الذي لا يجري ثم يغتسل فيه. That a person should not urinate in water that is stagnant, يعني still. And then you have غسل in it. So that shows that you're not allowed to use the toilet at all in still water. Why? Because even if it is a large amount of still water, it's going to ruin it for the other people. Someone else can't use it. Or they're not going to want to use it. If someone, someone, if someone urinates in a, in a pool of water, then everyone's going to think this is not, yeah, in this water you shouldn't, we shouldn't use it. So therefore we say, Wallahu alam, it is haram for a person to urinate in still water. Yani water that does not flow. As for water that flows, like a river or the sea, then it's fine. And some scholars they say it is disliked in water, to urinate in water generally. But Allah Alam is fine to do so. Hmm. <coughs> yeah, if it's still. If the swimming pool is still, then it's included, yeah. If the swimming pool doesn't, doesn't flow. If it doesn't, some swimming pools, most swimming pools do. But still, don't do it. وَتَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ الْمُثْمِرَةِ the next thing that is haram to do is for a person 
to <coughs> you, you use the toilet under a tree which bears fruits. A tree which bears fruits. No. Why? Why is it not allowed? Because a tree that bears fruits, so someone urinates or goes to the toilet underneath it, then it's going to ruin the fruit for everyone else. قاله النووي في شرح المهذب. As the Nawawi mentions in his شرح المهذب. طيب the next one is وفي الطريق in the pathway. It in the pathway. يعني where people walk, pavement. Someone goes to the toilet in the pavement, urinates in the pavement. حرام. Not allowed. In the uh, in the road, all of it is not allowed. Why? Because the Hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says, Be careful of those things that cause people to curse you. And so the Prophet, the companion said, Ya Rasulullah, What are these two things that cause people to curse you? And if you do it, the people are going to curse you. He says, The people who go to the toilet in people's pathway. Or in they in their dhil, in their shadow, in their shade, in the shade. The person he goes and he's urinating in the pathway, someone walks past, he sees this urine, what is he gonna say? May Allah curse whoever done this. Does that show it's allowed? No, not allowed to curse. Lakin, it causes people to curse. So he says those things that cause people to curse you. And the second thing is a dhil, the shadow, the shade. Why? Because on a hot day someone's going to a shade, he wants to relax, and he sees someone went to the toilet in this place. And that caused him, now he's not able to relax and stay in that shade, he has to go back into the sun. And so he was going to curse whoever done that. And so because of the harm that it causes to the people, a person is not allowed to urinate in those two places. Or go to the toilet in those two places. طيب. The next one is with uh, الثقب, which is an animal hole. An animal hole. You know where rats and snakes and lizards and all of these desert animals, they live in holes. Rabbits. They live in holes. It's not allowed for a person to urinate or go to the toilet in there. For a number of reasons. Number one, because of the harm that it could cause to you, yourself. If a person is going to the toilet in the hole and a snake is inside, then it's going to be a problem. <laughs> if a person goes to the toilet, a second reason is also because it causes harm to the animal. So it's not allowed. And number three is because it's masakin al-jinn. It's the place where the jinn, they live. The jinn, they live in these holes. As narrated by Abu Dawud and Nasa'i, that it is the masakin, the place where the jinn live. Therefore, it is not allowed. <coughs> Wadhilli, the next one is the shadow, the shade. The shade. Yeah, but that was part of the hadith. But it wasn't part of this. So the shade. And we took that, we've taken the hadith of the shade, right? Stay away from those two things that cause people to be cursed. And also, we have the other hadith, which is الثلاث. Stay away from those three things that cause people to curse you. Al-barazu fil mawarid. Number one. You're using the toilet where people are always constantly coming and going. You're using the toilet in places where people are constantly coming and going, thereby harming them. وَقَارِعَةُ الطَّرِيقِ And on the pathway, وَالظِّلِّ And in the shadow, in the shade. Using the toilet in the shade is not allowed. And we've taken that one. And then he says, now that's, these are the things that are haram. Those are the things that are haram. All of those things are not allowed. They're sinning for a person to do it. Then he mentions... <coughs> وَلَا يَتَكَلَّمُ عَلَى الْبَوْلِ وَالْغَائِطِ These are things that are disliked now, according to them. Things that are disliked, according to them. Number one is speaking whilst using the toilet. Speaking whilst using the toilet. 
And the hadith that he mentions, Qala Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, he said, Sami'tu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I heard the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, لا يخرج الرجلان يضربان الغائط كاشفي عورتهما يتحدثان فإن الله يمقت على ذلك That two people should not come out Go to the toilet And they take off their clothes يعني they, 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 they take off their clothes And they're speaking to each other Whilst they're going to the toilet they're speaking Why فإن الله يمقت على ذلك Because Allah hates that Allah hates that Therefore that shows that speaking whilst in the toilet is disliked طيب we have the principle which is الكراهة ترتفع عند الحاجة. When there is a need, then there is no dislike. So therefore, we say that if there is a need for someone to speak, then it's allowed. And if there is no need, then it's disliked. Is that clear? That's crazy. Yeah, if someone's talking to themselves, no, they shouldn't speak. So how would that show it's not haram? Because doesn't command show obligation to be Some of the scholars, they, they, they say that. Some they do say that it's, it's haram. Like in here, they mention this is Shafi'i. He says, al الحليم, الحلال, الطلاق, العاطس, يعني they mention a principle. They mention a principle. The, the, madahib, the, the law of the madahib they take Which is ما ورد في, في باب الأداب من النهي فهو للكراحة Anything that is speaking about mannerisms Anything that is speaking about manner, mannerisms Then and, 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 and any prohibition speaking about mannerisms Then it is for is disliked It's not haram for example, the way to sleep, mannerisms of sleeping. So they say that there's no way to sleep that is haram. Because it's a mannerism, even though it's prohibited. Like in that principle, makes it all, all of it makruh. Yeah. Right? So they take it from that. And some scholars, they mention it's haram. Some scholars, they don't take that principle every, every time. Sheikh al-Albani, rahimahullah, doesn't take that principle a lot of times. So he says that this is only not allowed when you're speaking to each other in the toilet, and it's haram in that situation. Okay. That's where, that's, where, that's where they get the karaha from, from that principle. And a good benefit is that sometimes there will be a prohibition and there will be no hadith clear to say that this hadith, to say that this prohibition is for al-karaha, disliked. But they will use a principle to show that it's disliked. And this is the situation for most of the situations. It's a principle, yani, the principle in the sharia, it's the general principle in the sharia. That, you get it? So that's how they reconcile. So the hadith is it prohibited us, like for example, drinking standing up. Hadith that prohibits. Like in they say, that is from mannerism. So it doesn't show that it is haram. What about in this case with talking and. Yeah, same thing. They say that as well. Yeah, it's just a mannerism. Mannerism, from the mannerisms, yeah. yeah. No. It doesn't count. No, unless there is something that extra to show that it's haram. Like for example, the previous thing that we've taken. The previous thing that we've taken, all of them they have extra things that show it's haram. Taqul malain, the fact that you're cursed. Stay away from it. Okay, so you should just stay, like, generally stay away from it. Of course, yeah, no, no, stay away from it. So, you see, um, that, that principle is taken from, like, istiqra' of different hadith and yeah. the Prophet Exactly. It was taken from istiqra' of the principles of the Sharia, from the principles of the Sharia across the board. And that's a lot in the Sharia. We find, for example, when a woman, she, uh, when she prays differently to a man, she closes her body a bit more. When she's praying. And that's not from an evidence, clear hadith. But they take it from the principle of the sharia that a woman needs to be covered. 
So they say that she should cover herself in that situation. She shouldn't open herself like that. And you get it. And some scholars, they differ with that. Then he says, The next one is, وَلَا يَسْتَقْبِلُ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ He shouldn't face the sun or the moon. وَلَا يَسْتَدْبِرُهُمَا Nor should he, his back be faced towards the sun or the moon. This is mean, from the things that the fuqaha they mention. That you shouldn't face the sun or the moon. And they, they, some of the Hanabila they mention, وَلَا يَسْتَقْبِلُ النَّيِّرَيْنَ That's what they, what they say for it. And the reason that they give for this is, they say, that the sun or the moon, they both give light. And a person whilst using the toilet shouldn't be exposed, shouldn't be seen. So the fact that light is shining on them, what does that do? It exposes you. So therefore you shouldn't face towards the sun or the moon whilst using the toilet. That's what they say, Wallahu a'lam, and it's weak, very weak. Very, it's a very weak opinion, Wallahu a'lam. No, facing towards the direction. Why the sa'ab did this? It's hard. You know, it's not always for yeah, yeah, yeah. there sometimes. Yeah. But that's good. This, this, if it's class to be because it's going to be difficult. It's if difficult. If you're in a house or closed like, proximity, then you can't. Nothing can do about it. No, that's the reason why. So it's, it's very weak, Wallahu a'lam. Mm. Yeah, they say it from the signs of Allah, it's disrespectful as well. They bring different reasonings. Like in Allah, it's very weak. It's not. It's not based on clear evidence from the Quran or Sunnah. Allah Alam. Um, then in the Sharih, in the Sharh here, I mentioned some, some extra mannerisms. That a person shouldn't eat or drink whilst using the toilet. Eating or drinking whilst using the toilet shouldn't do that. Another thing is that he shouldn't look at what's coming out of him. He shouldn't look at what's coming out of him. ولا إلى فرجه نور شد يلك إلى private part ولا إلى السماء نور لكن up to the sky and these are all things that the salaf they would do they would they would dislike such things and from amongst the salaf are those who would be who would never go to the toilet except in a dark place because they don't want they don't want to be seen they don't want even the angels to see them in a in in such a situation they wouldn't want to be seen in such a situation and they would be يعني our shyness not saying that this is haram like and this is our shyness ولا يعبث بيديه or playing with your hands ويكره إطالة القعود على الخلاء sitting down using the toilet for a long time sitting down for a long time for no reason ويكره أن يكون معه شيء فيه ذكر الله or to bring into the toilet anything that has the mention of Allah the name of Allah a ring that has the name of Allah and this is a مسألة that was that brought up a lot by the was brought to the hit كبار علماء in Saudi Arabia the major scholars in Saudi Arabia because the money in Saudi Arabia has money, it has the, has the name of Allah. So they say that a person should try to keep it away from the toilet. But if it's inside the pocket, then it's fine. If it's inside the pocket, then it's fine. This is not just Saudi Arabia. In the Banu Umayyah, their coins, their dirham, dirham and dinar, used to have La ilaha illallah on it. So it's something that was قديم, back in the days. وَكَذَا مَا كَانَ فِيهِ قُرْآنٌ or anything that has Qur'an in it to bring it inside the toilet <laughs> um, that is, those are some of the mannerisms of using the toilet
Next chapter. Using the urinals is it makruh? The, the, the thing that will be haram in it is exposing your aura in front of other people in the urinals. That will be haram. Other than that, it's fine. Um, the other thing which is bad about it is the urine coming back on you, but a person can protect themselves from that. Another thing that will be uh, a problem, obviously, the main problem is that urinating uh, in front of other people. That's something haram. It's haram. There's no tissue and they just close themselves after. Uh, as for urinating standing up, then it's, it's allowed. Wallahu alam. It's allowed because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa done so. And Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu narrated the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa done so. Even though there's a hadith from Aisha saying that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa never urinated while standing up. Lakin, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, I mean, uh, we know that the one who says someone done something, he has more knowledge. And if someone says, I never saw him do it. Some said, I saw him do it. Then we take the one who said, I saw him do it. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he urinated standing up and therefore it's allowed. But other than that, it is uh, haram because of that other factor. Um. So is that general? In general, if, you, if someone saw someone's... Um, yeah, if someone negates knowledge, I didn't saw it, and someone says, yes, I saw it, then we take the person who saw it if, there's no, if they're trustworthy. Well, what about expressions like dealing with conflict? No, that has the own rulings. It has a completely different ruling, yeah. Okay. Mm. Disliked. Disliked. Possibly. When Aisha said that he never used to urinate standing up, that when he was at home, he wouldn't, and when he's outside, he would. That's a way of concealing it, con- con- reconciling between the hadith now. Awesome. There's a, uh, there was another hadith that a man shouldn't touch his private parts when wiping. Does that come under the principles of the manners? Yeah, the same thing. So the, the hadith that narrates about Bukhari Muslim, the Prophet that a person should not touch their private or hold their private part whilst they're urinating, and also they shouldn't hold their private part whilst uh, with their right hand. Sorry, then it is disliked. It shows disliked. Then turn off your phone. <laughs> yeah, and if a person has a wallpaper with his name of Allah, then you should turn off the phone. No, so you shouldn't touch the private part, but you heard it's recommended for a person to do this, yeah, for a person to make sure that everything comes out. Then we're talking about whilst you're urinating. A person shouldn't touch it with their right hand, first of all. They shouldn't touch it with their right hand. As for the left hand, then it's fine. And then after that, a person should do it after, uh, yeah, make sure everything comes out. Yeah, by shaking it, that is recommended with the left hand okay. after you finish urinating. Mm. What if you do all of that and then clean it and, uh, and still after it's done, like a little bit come out? After you've if a person you know, finishes urinating and then a little bit comes out, then a person, if that constantly happens to a person, then they should wait and they should put a tissue down there or something like that to make sure it doesn't touch their clothing. Then when it comes out, then they go and do wudu. If it happens, Yani sometimes then they should wash themselves if something comes out extra. If they show something came out though. If they are not sure then they ignore it. طيب. Is that clear? Any question on this side? If there's a question on this side, put it on the on the paper. Type. The things that break your wudu. A person who's in a state of wudu, 
they're in the state of the a person who breaks their wudu, they become in the state of al hadathul asghar, minor ritual impurity or minor non-physical impurity. They're in a state of minor non-physical impurity if they don't have wudu. Now, these things that we're going to mention that break your wudu are the only things that break your wudu. A common a common mis misunderstanding is people think that if you touch something that is impure, your, your, your wudu breaks. And if they touch a dog, your wudu is broken. If najasa goes on to you, urine goes on to you, your wudu is broken. And this is, this is wrong. The things that break the wudu are only these things that were mentioned and they have evidence from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Okay? So these are the things that break the wudu. Okay? So number one, so he mentions five things. We're going to mention inshallah one more after that. Number one is, The things that break the wudu are five things. Five things break the wudu. Number one, ما خرج من السبيلين Anything that comes out of your private part. Anything that comes out of your two private parts. The front or the back. Whether it be go toilet, whether it be wind, whether it be urine, whether it be stool, whether it be female discharge, all of it breaks the wudu. Now a common question when it comes to female discharge is that women, they will have discharge sometimes. And what we mean by discharge is what comes out from the inside, from the womb. Or from the, يعني, from the rahim, from the inside. As for uh, the, يعني, the moistness that comes from the woman's private part, then this is not considered to be discharge. The moistness that comes from the woman's private part is not considered to be discharge. Or it's considered to be discharge something that comes from the inside. As for that, then it's more, يعني, more ashbah um, bil sweat. It's closer to sweat. It's not uh, discharge like urine or something that comes from the inside, the bladder. The urine comes from the bladder. Or the other discharges that come from the, the the period blood area and stuff like that, the uterus and stuff like that. As for so what we're talking about that breaks the wudu is the discharge that comes from the inside. As for يعني, um, the, the the moistness of a woman, as the scholars they say, or they say the wind that comes from the front, then it doesn't break the wudu. The wind that comes from the front, it does not break the wudu. What breaks the wudu is anything that comes from the front or the back from the inside. From the inside, is that clear? You understand what I'm saying? Okay? Whether it be urine, whether it be um, wind, whether it be stool, whether it be uh, anything, blood, it all breaks the wudu. Okay? Because the hadith of Abu Hurairah, when he was asked about a hadith, mal hadith, he said, Fusa'un aw durat. Fusa'un aw durat, which is any. Wind or any any wind that has a sound, so anything that comes out from the front or back private part, then it breaks the wudu. Wallahu alam. Number two is ونوم على غير هيئة المتمكن من الأرض مقعده sleeping. Sleeping breaks the wudu. Sleeping breaks the wudu. Why we have the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he says العينان وكاء السه فإذا نامت العينان استطلق الوعاء فمن نام فليتوضع that the two eyes they are the string that holds together the, the, the bag what we mean by that is the backside <coughs> يعني, when your eyes are awake you can control what comes out of you العينان وكاء السه فإذا نامت العينان so when the eyes they sleep استطلق الوعاء that, that bag can open it opens up يعني anything can, can come out and you don't know if it came out of you or not 
So from here we understand what? What do you understand? The reason why why noom, why sleeping breaks wudu, right? Is because why the sleeping break wudu? Because you control you can't control what's coming out of you anymore. Okay? So therefore now we have a hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu said, Kan ashabu Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yanamuna. That the companions of the Prophet وسلم, they would be sleeping and they would wake up and they would do wudu, and they would pray and they wouldn't do wudu. And this is in the situation with the companions in the narration, in the actual narration it says that they would sit down waiting for Salatul Isha. Yani Maghrib time, they finish Maghrib, they're waiting for Salatul Isha, they'll be sitting down. And they'll be almost sleeping like this. Until their heads will be like, almost sleeping like this. They'll almost be sleeping. They'll go drowsy. And their heads will go down, almost sleeping. But they'll be sitting down, waiting for salah. Then when the iqam will be done, they'll get up and they'll pray. And they wouldn't do wudu. Did they sleep? Yes. Slightly. So how come their wudu didn't break? And this is where the scholars, they differed. Some of the scholars, they mentioned that, and this is the, the Shafi'is, this is what they say, is because of how they were sitting down. They were sitting down in a position where their backside was on the floor. Why does that make a difference of the way they were sitting down? Their backside was on the floor. Why? What's the, what difference does that make? I think when you see when you sit in that position, if I was to sleep now, I would, like, I would fall. You know, you've got some sort of control, maybe. you got some sort of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Based on the hadith that I mentioned at the beginning. Mm. Is it when you stand up, you can feel what will come out of your backside if you have to sleep? If, when you, no. So when you're sitting down, yeah, so when you're sitting down, you're more, it's harder for you to break wind, basically. Is that clear? Yeah. It's harder for you to break wind when you're sitting down in that position with your backside on the floor. So they say that the reason why their wudu didn't break is because they couldn't break wind. Because they was the, way they were, the way they were sitting. So the Shafi'i, they say, sleeping, it breaks your wudu unless you're sitting in that position, which is, you're sitting whilst your backside is on the floor. Is that clear? Then it doesn't break your wudu in that situation. That's one opinion. And it seems to be strong, Wallahu A'lam. The other one is, the other opinion they say is that because it wasn't a deep sleep. It wasn't a deep sleep. And this is what some of my, our teachers, they take. Because it wasn't a deep sleep. The students, they would say that it's because it wasn't a deep sleep. So they say that what breaks the wudu is a deep sleep. As for a light sleep, then it doesn't break your wudu no matter how you're, sit you're sleeping. You understand that? And, طيب, and the problem with this opinion is that it's hard to understand what is a deep sleep. They say if you hold a pen and you sleep, then it's gonna, and you, when you drop it, then it's a deep sleep. But has, has anyone tried that? Can anyone, anyone know? Can anyone know if they're holding a pen whilst they're sleeping? They wouldn't know. Unless they... Yeah, yeah. So that's, it's hard to yeah, measure. Or they would say that, that you can't hear anything anymore. You can't hear what's around you anymore. If you can hear what's around you, then it's not a deep sleep. <coughs> how would you know? Sometimes you can tell. Like in, look at this. How many times have we slept? You woke up, you thought, I only slept for one minute. And how long has it been? Five hours. Huh? It happens, right? I told us a story and he said that um, he said that a man was sleeping and he said I slept imagine it's 12 o'clock he slept at 12 and they woke up at 12 or 1 12 or 1 one minute he said so he was very hungry when he woke up he went downstairs his family and the family were shocked where were you? I slept for one minute he said no they said no you were gone for one whole day and one minute 
24 hours woman. He thought he only slept for one minute. Wow. So, and this is a story that Sheikh Abdullah always tells us, and it makes you understand that the measuring a deep sleep is hard. So therefore we say, Wallahu alam, the Shafi'i opinion is stronger. That is that, it is the way you're sitting down. If you're sitting down with your backside on the floor, then it doesn't break your wudu. And if you're sitting down with your... And if you're sleeping, if you're sleeping with your backside on the floor, it doesn't break the wudu. And if you're sleeping, other than that, it breaks the wudu. As opposed to what I used to say. For anyone who used to attend the classes before, I used to say deep sleep. Like Allah seems that this is stronger now. Allah No. If you fell asleep, if you fell asleep, then it breaks your wudu. Unless you're sitting in that way. Whether it's a short amount of time or a large amount of time. If you're sitting in that way, it doesn't break your wudu. Uh, so, and obviously the benefit of that is that if, you're, if it's a deep, very deep sleep, it's a very deep sleep, you're going to be sleeping and you're going to drop on the floor. So you're, not, you're, not, you're no longer sitting on that way. You're going to find yourself in a different way, so you broke your wudu. Hmm. Would, it, would it be then just like for someone to make wudu, to be safe? Hmm. You'll be fine if you make wudu, if you take that opinion. It's fine to make wudu, wudu yeah. You can, yeah. But the difference of opinion, anyway. So there was a hadith. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of related to this, but it was, I can't remember exactly how it was, but I read it in um, the Shema'il where the Prophet sometimes he would go to sleep and he'd wake up and he would pray two rak'ahs before he would pray a salah. So I think it was like the hadith was speaking about like that. Tahajjud, tahajjud. Yeah, but as in like there was, there, was a, there was a salah before the salah, but he never used to make wudu for that one. Mm. And he would make wudu for the one afterwards. They used to, he, I think he said that that those two salahs used to like wake him up or something. Have mm. you heard this before? Mm. Allah Allah. 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 Send it to me, inshallah. Yeah, so basically, you know, like sometimes um, when you're up and there's a little bit left off the drawer or whatever, you try to tell yourself, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have stuff, and then you find yourself that your, your phone dropped or like. So you can't tell what's a deep sleep or not. Mm. Now, then he says, What's the The next thing that breaks your sleep, breaks your wudu is losing, losing consciousness. Losing consciousness. Whether it be through any means, yani whether it be through being drunk, so your consciousness is no longer clear, or whether it be through. Marad and illness, you lose consciousness through fainting or during an operation or anything like that. You lose in your consciousness, it breaks your wudu, whether it be someone faints or being drunk. Yeah, and someone who he gets intoxicated by accident, then he breaks his wudu, his wudu is broken as well. Why? Because if sleep breaks your wudu, this obviously breaks your wudu as well. طيب, the next one is now the Shafi'i opinion here is that touching the opposite gender, skin-to-skin contact. Touching the opposite gender, skin-to-skin contact. So what does that uh, as غير uh, محرم? Uh, the opposite gender who's not your محرم. So if someone touches the opposite gender by skin-to-skin, so if it's over the clothes, it doesn't break the wudu. Like if it's skin-to-skin, then it breaks the wudu. Is it haram? They're both haram, if it's on purpose. Like in, yeah, in touching by, by over the clothes or the skin-to-skin, is haram. It's a major sin. Like in, if it's on purpose. But if it's an accident, then it breaks the wudu if it's on the skin. If even on the skin it breaks the wudu. That's the Shafi'i opinion. Wallahu alam. This opinion is the Shafi'i opinion, Lakin what seems to be stronger, Wallahu alam, is that it does not break the wudu at all. And this is the opinion of Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, and it was chosen by a Sheikh uh, Ibn Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala, that touching the skin 
of a non-mihram doesn't break the wudu. Why? Because the, the, the ayah in the Quran which says, what it's talking about is al-jima' which is sexual intercourse. So the, the Shafi'is, they use the ayah which talks about sexual intercourse and they say lams here means touching. And the correct opinion is that here lams means al-jima' sexual intercourse. Wallahu alam. Even though the Shafi'i opinion is strong here, لكن it seems to be Abu Hamam Abu Hanifa. We, uh, that's the opinion that I follow, Wallahu alam. Sheikh Mibaz, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, is when he follows. That it doesn't break the wudu, Wallahu alam. Mm. Uh, what about the opinion of Imam Ahmed Al-Habar said that uh, touching it with desire? No, I'm touching a woman with desire. This is the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Ahmed, Rahimahullah. Uh, this one, we have the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from Sunnah of Sunnah Dawood. That he would kiss his wife. He would kiss his wife and he would leave the and he would go and pray and he wouldn't do wudu. What does that show? That shows and then the kissing is obviously with desire. Therefore, it doesn't break the wudu there either. Wallahu And there's no evidence to show that desire. There's no evidence for that. Mm. Obviously, when I say there's no evidence, I mean there's no strong evidence that is followed by the people who have who I'm following. We're not saying that their opinion is based on nothing. Ahmed and Imam Shafi, their opinions are based on huge evidences. Then he says, So that's that one. Wallahu alam doesn't break the wudu, right? The next one is, For a person to touch a private part with his palm, with the palm of his hand. The palm of his hand. Touching a private part of a human being with the palm of your hand. Whether it be the front private part or the back. The front or the back private part with his hand. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Whoever touches their private part, then let him do wudu. Whoever touches their private part, let him do wudu. And another narration, man afda what it means in the Arabic language is to touch with the palm of your hand. That's why Imam Shafi'i says it's only with the palm of your hand. Because al-ifda is with the palm of the hand. And so what it means by the palm of the hand is all of this, this front part, not the back. As for, and, and what's in between as well, the fingers. As for what's in the back, then it doesn't break the wudu by touching it. Okay? Uh, that's because of the hadith A common question here is that uh, Touching a baby a, w- a woman who changes her baby A woman who changes her baby constantly The, the principle in the sharia is then Is that whenever something is very hard to abstain from Then we say that it doesn't break the wudu Wallahu alam So if it is hard to abstain from yani your person is constantly doing it Then in that situation it doesn't break the wudu For example the woman who constantly changes her baby she doesn't break her wudu by touching it, uh, the, the baby's private part. As for anything, any other private part, then it breaks the wudu. So it breaks the wudu whether it is your own, on purpose or by accident, as long as it's done by the palm of the hand. If it is your own or by any or anyone else's private part, then it breaks the wudu if it's done with the hand. And what we mean by the private part is the hole in the back and the uh, front private part, not including the testicles, not including. The testicles of a person. Wallahu mm-hmm. alam. No. I think some scholars like Sheikh Hakim said it has to be done with like, desire. If you touch it without, is that a strong opinion? Or? And if Sheikh Mirzaimin said it, I can't say it's weak. Like, no. <laughs> Wallahu alam. It is the, whether it's with desires or not, it breaks the wudu. Because we have the, the Athar of Umar ibn Khattab that he was leading Salah and he was fixing his Izar and he touched his private part by accident and he left the Salah. So that shows that whether it's desires or not, it doesn't break the wudu. Wallahu alam. It does break the wudu. It does break the wudu. Yeah. Mm. The palm of the hand is the whole front of the hand, including the fingers, yeah. Alhamdulillah. Mm.
Even if it's by accident, yeah. As long as it's skin to skin. Yeah, and it's not over the clothes. Mm. Someone is? Someone is? They can't control the releasing of Salas al bowl. Yeah, we have a whole issue with that we're going to come to, inshallah, which is someone who constantly urinates and they can't control themselves. Then they don't, they don't have to, they just wear something to protect themselves and the wudu doesn't break through that. Hmm. So the, the, if someone moisturizes their skin in the back area, then it's fine as long as it's not the hole. The hole in the back and the front, private part. Hmm. Uh, where you say, uh, you know, if somebody turns a, a, a lump, a lump, mm. whether it's, uh, if, if it's like, if it's accident, it doesn't matter, but if it's not, then, like, you'll do it, No, it doesn't break the wudu at all. Oh, it According to the Shafi'i opinion, if it's accident, it doesn't break the wudu. Oh, okay. Like, when we said, it doesn't break the wudu. The other opinion? If it's on purpose, then, because you know, it's why you have Accident or on purpose, it doesn't break the wudu, according to Abu Hanifa. That's what Ibn taken. But I'm Imam Shafi'i and the Somalis. Is that accident on purpose? It breaks the window. All of it. Naam, that's the Shafi'i opinion. It's because of the Shafi'i opinion. That's what they follow. Naam. And Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah ta'ala, he takes the opinion, doesn't break the wudu, and this is the opinion of Shaykh Ibn Baz, and this is what some of my teachers follow. Wallahu a'lam. Naam. Next. No, yeah, in touching between the navel and the knee? Yeah. No, only the private part, the actual dhakar. Dhakar, yeah, the, pri- the actual private part, not including testicles. So it says, because the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, whoever touches the private part, let him do wudu. Because in the Arabic language, dhakar is not part of it. It's al-unthayyin. That's the text called al-unthayyin. Dhakar and al-unthayyin, two separate things. And the Prophet ﷺ said, man sadhakarahu. Some scholars do say it's all of it though. Some scholars do say it's all of it. طيب um, في موجب الغسل. Exactly. Any questions on this side? في موجب الغسل. What we're taking now is the things that obligate غسل. And I think should we take? We'll take. Inshallah, we'll have time until seven twenty or something like that. Until like seven twenty, Inshallah. Uh, must a woman wash mens uh, completely when they are on their period because it is continuous blood? No, they don't have to wash it completely. They can wear something that protects it and then change it every now and again. If any blood goes in their clothing though, then they should wash it. It's better for, it, for them to wash it, yes. And someone has made ghusl and they want to cream themselves. Uh, by touching their genitals, does it break the wudu? Yeah. And touching your, gen- your private part, touching your genitals, it breaks the wudu, whether it is on purpose or by accident, or creaming yourself or anything else. Person Must a person wash themselves completely if they're about to take a bath or a shower? Uh, if a person is about to take a bath or a shower, then why do you want to wash yourself before it? I don't understand. Oh, go in the toilet. Naam, 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 sah. We're going to take that, inshallah, now. And if someone goes to the toilet and they're about to take a bath or shower, yes, you must wash themselves completely. We're going to take it now, inshallah. Huh? Before they go into the bath. Yeah. Uh, the things that obligate ghusl. 
Yani these things we're going to speak about here, if any of these happen to you, you must have a ghusl, you must have a shower, a bath. And we're going to learn how to do ghusl inshaAllah ta'ala. We're going to learn how to do ghusl. Any of these things happen, a person must do ghusl. Anything else is sunnah to do ghusl, which we're going to take 17 different situations where it is sunnah to do ghusl. Other than that, six of these situations here, we're going to take six things that obligate ghusl. Okay? Is that clear what we're going to take? Yeah, and you have to have a bath. Ghusl is a bath. A full bath. We're going to learn how to do it. The Ikhtisar summary is that you must make sure water touches every single part of your body, including the insides of the hair. That is the minimum ghusl with intention. طيب, number one. والذي يجب الغسل ستة أشياء. Six things. ثلاثة يشترك فيها الرجال والنساء. Three of them, the men and the women are the same in it. They are, are common. Number one, وهي التقاء الختانين. Number one is for the two private parts to meet. To, for the two circumcised body parts to meet. What does that mean? Sexual intercourse. يعني, sexual intercourse, it obligates ghusl. That's because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Muslim. If a person he sits between the four parts of the woman and then he goes inside of her, غسل, then ghusl has become obligated, obligatory. And in another narration, ينزل, even if he doesn't ejaculate. Therefore we see from this that mere penetration obligates ghusl. Mere penetration obligates ghusl. Okay? A person must have ghusl if that happens. And in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, إِذَا الْتَقَ الْخِتَانَانِ فَقَدْ وَجَبَ الْغُسْلِ If the two circumcised parts they meet, then ghusl has become wajib, has become obligatory. Okay? So from this we understand that mere sexual penetration, it, it obligates ghusl. To the point where... No? Mm? No, no, no. I was going to ask, you mentioned two questions. Mm. Circumcised. So if someone's not circumcised. Now, what he means here, if the person is not circumcised, what he means here is uh, the two parts that should be circumcised. So he's doing kinaya. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is doing, he's, he's, he's mentioning it without directly mentioning it because of shyness. You don't directly mention certain things because of shyness, right? So he says, the taqal khitanan, two circumcised parts, yani the two private parts he's talking about. And the woman said Women circumcision, the two nan women circumcision in the Sharia. Why does the Sharia why does, why does the Quran why does Allah, the Prophet said two circumcised parts, man and woman? Because the man should be circumcised and the woman should also be circumcised. But the woman's circumcision is different to the woman's circumcision. The man's circumcision is to remove the whole skin of that private part. As for the woman, then it's to remove a small amount. As for removing all of it, then this is haram and it's not allowed. That's the thing what you're talking about, maybe it's the painful one. That's not allowed, that's haram. As for uh, the, the, the sunnah, then it's the minimum. Minimum skin to be removed, to be, to be cut off. No. And sexual intercourse, that's when the head of the penis is not seen. No. Sexual intercourse, and this what I was going to mention, is that what is defined as penetration is that when the head of the man's penis is no longer seen anymore, it's no longer visible. Then in that case, it's considered to be uh, the, the, a person who committed zina, for example, that's when he's considered to have committed zina, that's when he's considered to have uh, have to do ghusl, that's when, he's that's when the ruling applies of all of these rulings. That's when he's considered to have um, consummated the marriage, and things like that. طيب. So that's why it says, إِذَا الْتَقَ الْخِتَانَانَ makes a person have to do ghusl. Number two is, وَإِنزَالُ الْمَنِيِّ For a person to ejaculate. For a person to ejaculate. Al-mani. Al-mani is, in English, for the man is sperm and for the woman is a different discharge. Lakin many is for man and woman. As for the man's many, then it has characteristics that are known in the Sharia that have been mentioned. Number one, the first characteristic, and it's important to know the characteristics of this because 
something may come out of a person and they don't know what it is. Is it many? Is it madhi? Is it wadi? What is it? Do they have to do ghusl or do they have to just wash it off? So it's important to know the characteristic of what comes out of a person so that they understand what ruling they have to apply. So the Prophet said, Rajuli the, the, the many, the sperm of a man is number one, white. Number two, it is thick. In texture, yani. in texture. White and thick. Another characteristic that was mentioned in the in the, in the, in the ayah is that this many it is something that comes out and it ejaculates out. As opposed to something that just comes out slowly. So ejaculates out, it shoots out. A human being was created from liquid which is dafiq. Dafiq and it comes out, shoots out. Huh? Number four, it has a distinct smell. And they compare it to different things like uh, rotten dates and rotten type of egg. And the smell of many. And number four, number five is that Ya'qubuhu al-futur. After a person ejaculates, come, a person comes out in a situation of uh, tiredness. He, he becomes tired. Okay? So when that thing comes out of him, he becomes tired. Or al-futur, fatigued. Is that clear? These are five characteristics for a person to understand. As opposed to, for example, urine. Urine comes out when? In a different situation. Um, Mavi um, has different characteristics. It's thin. For example, when it comes out when a person is, uh, it comes out, it doesn't, she doesn't يعني, ejaculate out. And the last characteristic is that it comes out at the highest point of arousal. At the highest point of arousal. <coughs> so from this, the person knows what comes out of him. If it's madhi, wadi. As for madhi, then it comes out at a, point, at a time of arousal, but it has different characteristics. It's not white, it's not um, thick, and it comes out slowly. طيب. The women, as the Prophet وسلم, said, well, the many of the women is more rare, because you know the hadith of Umm Sulaim, when she said to the Prophet وسلم, Ya Rasulullah, if a woman she sees a dream, does she have to do ghusl? Yani a wet dream? The Prophet said, Naam idha ra'atil ma'. Yes, if she sees the liquid comes out of her. So when does a person have to have a shower or ghusl? When, when they see the liquid coming out, man or woman. Whether they see a dream, whether it be through a dream, whether it be through the wife, whether it be through touching the wife or anything like that. It doesn't have to be the, the, the full sexual intercourse. Like in anything that releases many, it obligates ghusl for the man or the woman. طيب. As for the woman's one, then it is asfar raqiq. It is yellowish in color. Yellowish to see through color. And number two, it is raqiq. It is thin. It's not thick like the man's. As the Prophet وسلم, he mentions. And number four is that what comes after is tiredness. What comes after it is tiredness or fatigue. When a woman or a man sees these signs, then they have to do ghusl. And now obviously the woman's one is more rare. The hadith of Umm Sulaim, when she said, does you have to do ghusl? If yes, the Prophet said, yes, if you see the liquid. And Umm Salama, he was there, said, does, a woman, does that happen to a woman? And that shows what? That it doesn't happen to all women. And that's why whenever you're teaching this, you find that a lot of pers- a, a woman is going to ask that, well, how does that happen? Naam, it happens to some women. It happens to some women. Um, naam, idha ra'at al-ma' 
And that's what, and that's what the Prophet said, Where does the common, the, the baby when it's born, how does it look like the woman? Because there is something that from the woman that is in the process. There's, there is liquid that comes from the woman in the process of, of uh, birth. طيب. Is that clear? Do you understand what I said? من أين الشبه؟ يعني how does the baby image seem uh, look like the woman? يعني uh, how does the baby look resemble resemble the woman? And the baby comes out is half man half of the husband half the wife, right? So how does the resemblance come if the liquid is just from the man? It's not just from the man. The liquid is from the man and the woman, and that's why they both they both made the baby together. You understand? So the resemblance is from both of them, both sides. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. Good question. Now, if a person has a wet dream and they don't see the liquid coming out, then there's no ghusl. If there's no, if there's a person sees something in their dream, but nothing comes out, they don't see any liquid, nothing like that, then there's no ghusl there. No one has to do. You don't have to do ghusl in that situation. Okay. Even if something comes out and it's not many, something comes out, but it's not many, it's something else, many, for example, then you don't have to do ghusl either. Okay. Is there a time frame that you have to do ghusl after intimacy? No, there's no time frame other than when the wajib comes up. Salah comes up, you have to. But there's no time frame. Okay? The third thing is well mot, death. If someone dies, then they have to do ghusl. If someone dies, they have to do ghusl. Yani ghusl has to be done upon them. If someone dies, then they have to be washed. As we know, when someone dies, they have to be washed. And we're going to learn about that in Kitabul Janais. We're going to learn about that in Kitabul Janais, inshaAllah. These are the three things that are common between man and woman. They, 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 all three, they have to do ghusl. Now there's Three things are specific for the woman. Meaning these three things, the women, if that happens to them, then they have to do ghusl. Number one is الحيض, Is if she has her menstrual cycle. If a woman has her menstrual cycle, then she has to do ghusl. When she finishes it. And we're going to learn about the details of menstrual cycle, inshallah, when it comes to it. In the next chapter, actually, next lesson, inshallah, we're going to do the rulings pertaining to the menstrual cycle, inshallah ta'ala. Next lesson. Number three is when nifas. And nifas is postnatal bleeding. Yani the bleeding that happens to a woman after she gives birth. When a woman gives birth, she bleeds for an average of 40 days. Could be more, could be a bit less. Could be much less. She bleeds for an average of 40 days. It's called a nifas. Postnatal bleeding in English. When she finishes her nifas after she's given birth, then she has to have a ghusl. She has to do ghusl. Everyone get that, yeah? yeah. And the last one? Hmm? Yeah, 40 days she doesn't pray. She bleeds for those 40 days. She has the same rulings of menstruation. She doesn't pray, doesn't fast. Next one is walwilada. She gives birth. Giving birth obligates ghusl, even if no blood comes out. The mere fact that she gives birth obligates ghusl. According to the Shafi'is, Wallahu A'lam. Now, if a female has no, if a female has a nose piercing and the hole is tiny, she is unsure if it entered into the hole when she's doing wudu and ghusl. Is her wudu and ghusl valid? Yes, it's valid because the as long as the, because the inside of the skin is not considered to be the skin. If there's a hole, then that's not considered to be part of the skin. Uh, she inserts something inside the hole of the nose, but she knows her water has gone inside. The ghusl, yes, it's valid. Yes, it's valid. Where is the ruling on praying when a woman has uh, had a miscarriage? Uh, this has some details. Yeah? And if a woman has a miscarriage, 
then does she pray or not? Depends. If the baby that was miscarried was after it was um, the ruh, the soul was born into it, then she is considered to have had nifas. She's on her nifas. So she has postnatal bleeding, she doesn't pray until the blood finishes. If it is before that, then it's considered to be ma, um, uh, dam fasid, blood which is يعني, corrupt blood. So there's no, and the corrupt blood, dam fasid, has no ruling. She still prays. Okay? So it depends when it is. Wallahu alam, we'll end it there today. Inshallah ta'ala, today we'll end a bit early. And we'll take how to do ghusl next lesson. Lakin, just because we said how, to, we taught you how, we taught you what, when you have to do ghusl, I'll say very quickly how to do ghusl is you have intention and you make sure water touches every single part of your body, minimum. That's it. You can do it in your shower, you can do it in your bath, that's ghusl. But we're going to learn about more details. Bi'idhin la ta'ala next lesson. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.